I, I never recommend the checklist approach because that can make you blind to certain things. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Due diligence for your principal or your prospective principal. I'm here with Elijah Shaw, and we're going to be talking about our forthcoming interview with Colin Tansley, Managing Director of Intellect Group, who very kindly spoke at the Bodyguards for Kids initiative that we as the Circuit Magazine supported. Elijah, is this a topic that every protector should really get ahead of? I think so, mostly because Colin has a a, a unique perspective. Of course, when we talk about the the subject of open source intelligence, uh, you know, these days, because we have, you know, uh, so much information right at our fingertips, we also think anybody can do it and we can find out everything we need to know. And so I think that in of its, in and of itself creates blind spots. And so someone like Colin kind of offers a, a counterpoint to that and some things that we need to think about and some best practices. So I, I think that's, that's really important. Because it's not just what your principal is doing that exposes them that you need to worry about is it's actually you know should they be my principal absolutely um, i mean how 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 often do, do do protectors get the luxury to even ask that yeah for sure and it is a question we should be asking and i can actually say i'm speaking from personal experience here i you know i've, I've got burnt in the past uh in terms of uh not doing or drilling down as deep as uh i should and i think one of the things that that colin might be able to talk about is 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 okay, you know, when we suspect something or when we have a question, perhaps we don't have the resources to get the question answered ourselves, but we know there's enough that, you know, okay, let's take it to the professionals. Let's take it to somebody who specializes in this as opposed to just relying purely on open source. But is this an episode for all protectors or is it just for the protectors who have the luxury of so many potential clients that they can literally just say, hmm, I, I, I fancy this one and not that one? Well, well, I remember I was just talking to a group of students the other day and and I was saying, you know, you know, particularly at the beginning of someone's career, you don't necessarily have the luxury of choosing your clients. But with that said, you want to be choicey in the type of client that you have because you know, there's a, an old saying, all money isn't good money. So there is a level of research we have to have, and we have to be prepared to walk away from some things. But um, ignorance isn't always a blessing. And so we can't be willfully ignorant. So if we, we have to do uh, a certain amount of due diligence. And it, if there's something that, you know, raises our spidey senses, uh, I, I think we as protectors have to figure out how to drill deeper into that and, and, and get some more intel. Yeah, because that intel... Uh, Intel is actionable, right? That, right? That's what makes it mm-hmm. Intel. Otherwise, it's just noise mm-hmm. and, and data. And and we have had, you know, people on the podcast talking about OSINT and, and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But but actually, there's there's a bigger skill set, isn't it? It's a, it's a skill set of how far do I go before I know I need legal counsel? Mm-hmm. How far do I go before I know I need a PI or, or mm-hmm. something like that? I mean, may, maybe maybe that's the key skill sure. for the protector. Well, I can see that for sure, because I think in, in other sectors, we talk about someone being a specialist, you know, even, even in even in the areas that we do, you know, we, we, we specialize in this area, this sector or this uh, part of the marketplace. So just having information at our fingertips is wonderful. But at some point we have to we have to acknowledge the fact that, you know what, maybe I get someone uh, on board at this stage in the game who this is what they do all of the time you know the the uh uh the data you know we need somebody to kind of correlate that data sift through that data and then create a recommendation that maybe is different than what a what a lay person might do and uh and i think that's helpful and so anytime someone offers an a, an alternate perspective uh or a counterpoint to maybe some of the commonly held beliefs or a um but have you thought about this in relationship to a topic? Uh, I'm always all ears for it. Let's get into it with uh, Colin Tansley. And and I, I think this is this will move the needle with our OSINT debate because there's there's enough OSINT courses out there. But I think I think this is uh, the key nugget. Due diligence for your principal or your prospective principal. 
And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. Know Your Principle, online tools for due diligence. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Colin Tansley, Managing Director of the Intellect Group to the Circuit Magazine podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And thank you very much for the invitation today. And it's great for you to come back, as it were, because many people will remember you gave a great presentation at the Bodyguards for Kids initiative, which was uh, great for uh, the uh, the community to raise funds. But, But I thought, why don't we delve into this concept of knowing your principle? Because many people would think, well, I know my principle already. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the problem we're trying to solve here? Yeah, it's it's a really good point. And um, I think we, for a lot of the the clients I service, we talk about know your customer because they're bringing financial services, they're bringing people on board. They've got to be satisfied that the person they are working with is not entangled into money laundering, organized crime, terrorism, etc. So it got me thinking about you know it's it'd be really helpful for you know your uh, client base to understand how important it is to know their principle and you know there's certain things you can do online to find out about people i mean one of the important things we were chatting offline there was you know are you going to get paid is, is the person you're working for solvent it's very very easy to create a, an online persona being very rich uh, and you know, and you can appear to be um, a mover and a shaker, but the truth may be somewhat different. Uh, so it's important to be able to use all these incredible tools that are out there to, to make uh, an assessment and make a decision as to whether you're going to work with that principle or not. Okay, so... That is that is quite eye opening because usually when I think of you know due diligence, I, I as you said, you know, are, are they under sanction? You know, is there money laundering mm-hmm. and so on? But but are you going to get paid? That's actually a fundamentally good question. Um, mm-hmm. But what about you? Where where does your passion for this come from? Well, I, I think um, most of it comes from my background in policing. So I joined the police in 1981, but. Going back to as a kid, I always enjoyed solving puzzles. Uh, and I think it came from that, being inquisitive and curious. Uh, you know, I spent nigh on 30 years in the police and I was fortunate enough to, le- to, um, to learn so much from so many different people and be exposed to all sorts of investigations and, de- you know, worked in different departments. And that, that gives you a passion for that sort of work. And... I think when the internet arrived on the scene, it just it opened up so many opportunities, um, and one of which I embraced when I set up my company back in 2010. Um, and I thought, well, I'll start offering online investigations and training, and it, it's just kept me busy ever since. Um, and I enjoy it. I like the challenge. Um, there are times, you know, you think I'm getting nowhere, and then all of a sudden something happens and you're into like a little sort of seam of gold sometimes, but uh, yeah, it's, um, that's where it all comes from. My career really has been about investigations, risk security. So it, it stands to sense for me that I continue to do that. And a lot of it, certainly in the latter years in the, in the place was involved in intelligence. So this is a, for me, it's a form of intelligence gathering. Okay, well, that that makes perfect sense, and there's there's a lot of protectors out there who've you know made the jump from yeah. law enforcement or, or or military or or even other agencies. Um, but what about the protector that's completely uninitiated in this topic? The one you know, a protector who's just like, well, I I just need a job, um, mm-hmm. or, or or maybe they've just taken lots of jobs without maybe enough due diligence. What what should they better understand? You see, this is the, um, and I get that. I've seen many, many people that are excellent, you know, police officers, and but they are sometimes a little bit sort of wary of computers. And I worked for an organisation for some time. A lot of sort of uh, veteran sort of police officers, I, I don't go near computers, and they're not my thing. I don't understand them. Unfortunately, they've taken over our lives, so we need to understand them. And they're a key part of, pretty much every single job we do now but it's it and we don't have to be um, I often talk about on the training about that the internet is a bit like a racing car uh, 
a high performance racing car you know and i want to be able to teach people to use it to the optimum to be safe to drive at speed you know to customize the ride all that sort of stuff but you, you just need to be able to drive safely and get to where you want to go uh, in the best possible time so just having the skills to stop clicking and start searching so what you often find, if I gave you a task or most people a task, said, look, look for me online. Um, I'm going to give you five, 10 minutes and tell me what you found. I can tell, I can pretty much predict what they're going to tell me. And, and that's because 95% of people are going to go to Google. 95% of people are going to put my name in because I told them to do that. 95% of people are going to go to result number one which will almost always be LinkedIn because LinkedIn is connected to social media. Number two or three might be my website. So when I ask them to tell me what they've found, they're going to tell me what's on LinkedIn, which incidentally I wrote, and I'm not going to say I'm the worst uh, investigator in the world. I'm going to always sort of blow myself. I will do that. Um, and then I know what's on the website because I control it. So you know, the first three or four results, they will click into result number one because we, our little brain tells us that's at the top of the results screen. That's going to be the best result. It doesn't work like that because the algorithm decides what's going to the top. So they'll come out and go to result number two and then result number three. Uh, if you understand how the algorithm works, how the search engine works, you can actually craft a search to give you far better results, which are going to save you time. Because if you keep clicking, again, our brains are going to get tired and think I'm bored now. Um, and most people will only search five to 10 results and that's it. Uh, and there's there's lots of things you can do to make your search more potent. Like so that's that. one of the things I try and get across to people when we, when we, when we, uh, when we teach. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. And it's got a bit of a zeitgeist uh, right now with all the AI chatbot, this, this, and this, because the thing that, you know, the, the word on the street or the, the whatever's in, in the internet these days says asking better questions yes. is is the key. Um, uh, I know I've, I've attempted to do some Dali artificial intelligence picture, but without a really good set of parameters, I get nonsense. Um, yeah. How important is the skill set of the question asking? Asking, it's it's so. And again, we spend a lot of time on this. That we'll the first thing we do is get people to step back and start thinking before they go anywhere near their keyboard. So it's understanding that search engines at the moment. Let's put AI to one side for, for now. The they work on the basis of keywords. So certain words are more important than others. So if you can develop a, a, just a few keywords from what you know about the principle, for example, and you can use certain things like exact phrase search and time limiting searches, your results are going to be much better and you're going to make a much better assessment. If you just rely on chucking a search term into Google, pressing the button, then they're going to decide what you see. Or if you if you craft your search just by taking some time, and I often what we do in, in when I teach is we get a flip chart, we put my name in the middle, and a bit like a mind map. You're familiar with mind maps. We then I shout out some keywords you think might work when we search for me, and invariably police, investigator, trainer, Isle of Man, where I used to live, Yorkshire, those sorts of keywords in conjunction with my name will actually get you far better results in less time and then we can start doing other things in terms of imagery and sort of playing around with the dates um, before we even go to advanced search so just on that basis alone we reduce thousands upon thousands of results down to a couple of hundred in in just two or three minutes and that that just changes the landscape completely and and, and that automatically shows people that it's a little bit more work than a Google because there are there are some very good OSINT uh, courses out there, these things. But, yeah. um, and I think we may have talked about this offline, so I sort of load it already. Yeah. Is there a problem with the term OSINT? One, that is it open and what does open really mean? Uh, and, and two, INT, because intelligence by definition should be actionable, shouldn't it? 
Yeah, this is, uh, again, I, I have a bit of a problem with the term OSINT, and I get it. I know what it's there for. It's to sort of, it's an umbrella term. Um, but it does, you know, you're right, open source intelligence. Open source is anything that's available to us for free, basically. Um, not everything you will need to build your profile is going to be free. Some stuff increasingly you're going to have to pay for. And arguably that's closed source. So I have certain databases I can go to and do certain things. So open source and closed source has to, closed source, sorry, has to be combined. Um, intelligence is a product. To make it a product, it's got to go through a process. So it involves collection, evaluation, collation, analysis, and then you get to the point of dissemination. So you've got to be able to understand all the sort of aspect, all the sort of key components of, of, of that to make it a product that's going to be of value to your client or you, whoever's going to use it, rather than just, you know, clicking. Um, so it's, it, it is stepping back, as I said, making, taking time, thinking about what you're doing. The speed will come later on. But if you get the component parts right, your product's going to be superior to your just, just clicking. And so what, what would you say to a protector who, who said, well, I really want to go on an OSINT course. Hmm. Should, should they go on an OSINT course or, or should they leave that to the intelligence people? No, I, th I, th I think that everybody should do some sort of course. It's like anything, isn't it? You know, we, we don't just jump in. A, well, some of us do, I think, jump in a car and drive. But um, train any training is going to help you because it's going to give you a perspective on things, isn't it? It's going to give you leave you better equipped. The, the, the people I um, where I tend to operate the most is enhanced due diligence, which is it can take days to get where you want to go because you're building a very very um, detailed intelligent profile of somebody or some you know various people and companies, and that can take a long time. Um, but we should all be able to do a level of due diligence to satisfy ourselves, and it doesn't. You know, there, there are various courses out there. There's some very technical courses. Um, I like to think what I teach is a combination of skills and resources. So I always maintain that, you know, anybody can stand in front of you and say, that's a fantastic website. That's really good. You know, this social media platform is fantastic. And this this little tool used to exploit it is great. But it, it's more than that. Because you've got to be, you've got to have those skills, being able to analyze the information decide whether it's credible or not, be an investigator. Um, things like, and often gets missed, I, this is, I see a lot in the sort of OSINT community, is not having a record of what you've done. So when a client says to you, hey, can you tell me where you got that from? Uh, and you go, oh, well, uh, an answer I've had in the class, when I asked that very question, I was on the internet. Really helpful. Uh, to, to, overnight, I have a client in the US and the, he's come back to me and said, look, my client has asked where you got this from, where this piece of information is. It's in my records. I've just sent it back to him. Uh, you know, if, if, if I couldn't find it, that would make me look very, very unprofessional. Uh, and I like to think that, you know, and I'm not the only person that does this, and it's not unique, that with an investigator's background, you, you understand the importance of record keeping integrity you know again you're going to get people coming to you and i'm sure you know your listeners will get people who think that you know you're going to do bad things uh, can you hack into this person's facebook account no i can't you talk to the wrong person uh, you know I'll, I'll only do what's lawful and ethical and i've got to justify what i do uh, under data protection legislation as well so um, there's all those considerations. So it's not just a, a matter of clicking. There's lots to take in. So I think, you know, th there are lots of courses out there. I think you've got to look and, and see what it is you want. And there's very there's, there's a whole sort of, and again, in your industry, I guess, lots of sort of different price points as well. But, but what I, well, I'm really kind of excited about the documentation uh hmm. thing you said and it, it's weird to be excited about documentation but i but i can immediately see something happening let's say you you didn't document that you observed your potential principal in a photo eating a hamburger hmm. but you know that they are apparently vegan 
yeah. that suddenly you're going to get lots of people going, where's the evidence? Where did you get it from? And 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 just because it was a small detail, if you haven't documented it, you're going to look yeah. unprofessional. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to my, uh, you know, things that I suppose any, when I was in the police, many, many times you'd go to court and we, we would, I'm going back to the early 80s and, and when I started. So you'd always have a pocketbook. And you'd have to record everything in your notebook. If it wasn't in the notebook, as far as anybody was concerned, it never happened. And it, that just that little sentence is always in the back of my mind. So I've, you know, I do get asked by clients, how, how do I know you spent that amount of time on that particular investigation? Well, I, I've got a record. You, I'm quite happy to share it with you. Um, and the records that I use will actually record every single search I've done as well. So, if there's an omission, if I've not searched for something, then that would show up in the search, in the keyword searches. Um, so, yeah, and it just it, it just gives me a better feeling about the investigation. It provides them some comfort, and it is about professionalism, really. Yeah, I can I can totally see that. And then maybe even from a mercantile perspective, if if you are charging, um, yes, there are many occasions you're charging for the exact output. And, you know, someone with 30 years experience can do it in less time than someone with no experience. So there is that. Yeah. But but that element of documentation, especially when you're researching your principal. Yeah, uh, because because uh, maybe this is a good juncture to say, well, what can go wrong if you do not do your due diligence around your principal well let's say that you know you're, you're approached by um a principal potential principal to do you know they want you to work for them and it transpires they've got a business in uh, colombia or mexico that looks on the face of it did pharmaceuticals and you know you're you are protecting them and moving around with them and it and then it all comes out that they're involved in uh, drug importation um, you know, potentially, at the very sort of from the very off, if law enforcement are involved, they're going to be looking at this thing. This person, the 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 EP agent, is perhaps involved in this, uh, and could very well be arrested and uh, investigated for sure. Um, and you know, reputationally, that you know, in the days in the days with of the internet and the Google, then anybody that's searching them from the future, they may not be named as such, but the EP agent was also arrested as part of this investigation. Now that person potentially is then finished in the industry, aren't they? Uh, within legitimate sort of uh, for customers. Yeah. And, and at the very least, and our listeners will know of the wider global context, no particular country. If you get in the way of an investigation from law enforcement, yeah, even if you haven't done anything wrong, that's right. You don't yeah. want to get in the way. You don't. Um, um, which, which could which could be as simple as you drove them away somewhere. So yeah. so so I, I know it, it's a tangent, but I think I think people will relate to that. Um, yeah. What are the kinds of things that, uh, apart from unlawful activity like that, what are the kinds of things that one should be interested about a potential principle? I think, you know, going back to an earlier point, you know, you know, are you going to get paid? Well, are they solvent? Have they got, are there any uh, proceedings ongoing at the moment in terms of either civil um, or, you know, think, it, and I, I do know that particularly with some sort of high net worth individuals, it's part, I suppose, of the territory. They, they do get involved in proceedings, civil proceedings, but it's understanding what it's about because that could also elevate the threat, couldn't it? So they, they might be in dispute with a, somebody who is quite powerful. Um, and does that elevate the threat level for what they're being asked to do, for example? Um, you know, what, what countries do they operate in? Um, does it mean they're going to be required to travel to a particularly risky jurisdiction, for example? Which I, I don't think for a minute they'd be, they'd be overly concerned about, but it's, you, you do need to assess that. Um so and I think there's a whole, you know, who are they associated with? Who are the friends? Um, and there's, there's oh, a lot of this stuff can be something gathered online. Sometimes you're not going to, you know, there are times you're just not going to find it. Um, but it can be an ongoing process in terms of, well, to their sort of uh, continuing research about, okay, 
met with this person, not don't know them, or are we going to meet this person? What do we know about that individual? So I suppose it's all part of that sort of threat uh, assessment, a dynamic threat assessment all the time that you can continue to use. And, and maybe it's a, it's an interesting just um, soundbite question, but I, but I think it's good to ask. What's, what's one of the more interesting uh, sort of things you've learned uh, through an investigation? Uh, is there anything that particularly stands out? Well, where do I start? Um, I, th- I think the one thing I would, well, several things I could say. One thing I, I would say is you've got to read the information and understand what you've got in front of you uh, before you even touch the keyboard. Um, you know, it, it's very easy to just go name, and then you're off. And then you realise, in actual fact, I, I could have learned that by reading that in the brief. Um, so understand the information in your possession, first of all. Secondly, understand your objectives because there are so many rabbit holes you can go down if you don't go onto the internet or the web with with a plan, with a plan in mind. So you've got to do that and be uh, be critical of everything you see. There's a little post I use on the at the end of the course saying question the answers. Uh, so a really important skill. You, and the other one, and it, it's it's a, a, it's an acronym that many police officers will be familiar with. It's called ABC, and again, I use this a lot. Assume nothing, believe nothing, until you check everything. That's very, very relevant for the world, the digital world, uh, particularly with imagery and videos and all that sort of stuff. It was only it was only the other week that uh, the Pope was seen in a puffer jacket, which <laughs> what was not his, um, yeah. you know. Um, but then, but then, conversely. Um, and maybe you will never get a sense of this, but do you think there's a maybe a danger if the client finds out that you found out too much about them? Possibly. Um, yes, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, I, I would have thought that most uh, most clients would there be an expectation that the person they that they are asking to take care of them would be looking at them to understand them and you know what the threats are Um, one thing i would say is that and i've seen this you know in real life very rich people can go to some length to remove information about them online Um, there is software out there that can do that but there's also i've seen examples of um ultra high net worth individuals instructing uh, law firms to tell journalists to remove information or other agencies um, to remove the page. Um, So sometimes just your online research isn't enough. Sometimes it needs to be a bit more about talking to human sources. So remember, it's just a part of the jigsaw. There can be other things you have to do. So I, I don't think it's probably any, you know, any, anybody in this field, I would expect them to be asking questions of the principal people around them. And I suppose using the internet is a bit like asking questions, but you can do it. You can do it, not covertly if you like, but it's not quite as, it's not on a sort of face-to-face basis. Does, does that make some sense? Yeah, it's not like you're rocking up with a clipboard. How many times a day do you know <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not it's not that overt. Um, yeah. but 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 you mentioned before, of course, the, the human and and other other methodologies. Um, th- there are paid services out there. Um, mm-hmm. um, maybe I mean, could you give us a flavor? Because some people say, "Oh, I'll subscribe," and then they find out it's a lot of money. But you know, what what are some of the added benefits of these paid services? Um, some are very very good. I've, I've seen some excellent ones. I, I worked on um. Uh, an investigation recently and used a, uh, I'm not going to name the, it was focused on two particular countries. Uh, and this particular database was excellent at getting um, corporate information from those countries, something I wouldn't have been able to do because um, it was done by way of APIs. So it wasn't cheap, but it actually saved me time. It provided a better service and a quality to the client, which I was able to overlay that with open source. Um so there are lots of um, that. That was a um, that was a system called Interfax, Spark Interfax. Um, I've got a database that I use for UK addresses, which I I have to use with um, a legitimate interest, but I can use it to 
to sort of check addresses. I can check email addresses and phone numbers sometimes. Um, it's not the sort of stuff you would find on uh, on a normal search engine type um, inquiry. Uh, so there are lots of data. Some are very, very expensive. Um, some are sold by very slick salesmen who claim they're going to solve all your problems. But um, it, it, it's, a again, I'm going to refer back to my... Um, my policing days, you know, post Ripper, um, when you know the, the I was in West Yorkshire Police, so um, it was a very familiar tale about the incident room having the the floor strengthened because of the amount of paper there was in that particular um, uh, part of the police station. So after that, when the you know the inquiry had finished, and then there was a, there was a look at how the police handled that, and there was, certain quarters are quite critical. Um, they talked about computer systems, and the, the one that was introduced was called Homes. So it's a home office, large, major inquiry system. And there were certain people that thought that, you know, this was going to be a system, you press a button, it was like, who done it? Who done it button? And you'd, you'd work out, who it, it doesn't do that. All it did was manage the inquiry very, very well, I have to say, and it's got a lot better over the years. So there's no one computer system that's going to do everything. Um and you've got to cut your cloth accordingly. And there's some very good databases out there, but only ever part of the picture. Um, and I recently worked on um, an inquiry where a, an individual's reputation has been tarnished by what appears on a computer system. It's it's referencing to information that's 20 years old. And it's, it's sort of stating this particular individual is politically exposed. Which might again might be an issue for you know some of your uh, you know your, your clients customers whatever that you know if somebody's politically exposed they are they are seen to be at high risk of you know bribery corruption and th this guy's being tarnished by this particular piece which is on a, on a system well the system's got it wrong because that maybe twenty plus years ago that was an issue but not anymore. But people look at the piece on the system and make the decision. We're not working with that person on the basis of that piece of information 20 plus years ago, which is no longer relevant. And if they delved into the investigate, if they delved into that particular incident in a little, more, a little more detail, you'd see that completely unwarranted anyway. So, again, you've got to investigate the database information as well sometimes and, and take it that bit further. And on that particular occasion, I was asked to do... Uh, almost like a reverse due diligence. So it's a product that the client could then take to come to say, look, you know, I've had an independent investigator look at this and this is what his side of the story is. Mm -hmm. So, they're, they're, you know, I, I, can, I get asked to do lots of different types of inquiries, but mostly sort of due diligence. So that was a very interesting one. And it sort of screamed that the system got it wrong. And there are potentially a data protection infringement there as well. No, I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. And, um, and of course, yeah, especially, especially if one was to pay a lot of money and then it suddenly flagged up, you know, something and, yeah. uh, then, then how, how far do you do due diligence on the due diligence? Yeah, um, exactly. But, but maybe mechanically or, or, you know, mechanistically, imagine my need is for one particular small country somewhere. Are there fractional licenses? Because I, let's say I go to Benin and there's a Benin database. I, I can't. I, I don't want a, a year's Benin database. Um, mm. Does it work in a way like, oh, you can buy certain credits, or or is it is it is it not as user friendly as that? Some do, yeah. So, so some systems do that. Um, sometimes you can talk to the um, the sales representative or the marketing people and say, look, on the on the example I quoted there about the Interfax, I negotiated a access for three months that's all i needed for uh, so i think you know it depends on the provider some systems work on a credit basis uh, I, there's one system i have a pay-as-you-go so every time i do a search it costs me x amount of money it wouldn't be economically viable for me to, to pay the subscriptions i don't use it that much so uh, that works well uh, and i have a um, other system that i pay uh, I've agreed, have an agreed amount of searches, which is projected. So they're all, most of them will negotiate with you in terms of your access. And, and sometimes uh, it's actually cheaper to go to um, 
an independent investigator who's got these databases uh, and it'll be factored into the fee anyway. So you're not paying that huge amount of sort of monthly subscription. I like that because that's, that's, you know, that that's maybe my, my other thing, you know, this isn't necessarily for the frontline operator to worry about. It's more to think mm, when I hire someone who has economies of scale and, you know, you, you can do it and, and do it at a, maybe a cheaper rate than if they did it themselves. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that there is a sliding scale here that I always recommend to, to clients, look, what we can do, you, I, get, I get lots of inquiries about enhanced due diligence. And my first question then, do you really need enhanced due diligence? Because that's going to take time and it's going to, it's going to cost money. So what we could do is we can do, we can start at the risk assessment, basically. And I, I'll go off and I'll do some work first and I'll tell you, what my sense is in terms of the risk to you of working with that person. And then if we need to elevate it to the next level, we can. And that, so always try and work with the client on that one. Um, so, and so it might be the operator does some searches, not overly sure, can contact an independent investigator uh, and agrees, well, can you just um, confirm to me, you know, yes or no, whether, what I'm seeing is, is right. And do I need to go to the next level? So I can task you then to do that. So you don't have to necessarily leap to, you know, the gold standard every time. So I, I often offer, offer that to clients that will do a, will do a scoping exercise. And is this similar to enhanced vetting for recruitment? Um, mm. it maybe, maybe the types of developed uh, uh, vetting or, or other types. Um, is, is it the same sort of investigations? Yeah, similar. I mean, there are certain things you have to remember that, you know, we uh, as online investigators can't get access to. It's just yeah. so convictions is one of the big ones that you'll often get asked, can you find out if this person got any convictions? Well, in the UK, unless you ha there was a journalist in the and Europe, unless there was a journalist in the courtroom, you're not going to see that unless it was passed later on to the uh, to the newspaper. Um, so the best option I always, if it's available in certain countries, is get the the subject you're looking at. Are they agreeable to go and ask for a DBS check? Uh, which is very for, applicable to employee screening. So if you know any of your um, you, know, you you your client base was looking to employ people, I would always suggest get the prospective employee to go and get a DBS check. Don't and then you can, they've got to go do the work and they can bring the certificate and that's something they can hold on to for a couple of years. So there's lots of there's lots of companies that sort of sell this as a service. When actual fact, it's much easier to get the person involved to go do it. It's just easier. No, that's a, that's a that's a good shout. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm looking at synergies between some of the other things we've had and we've had we had a lie detector professional on before where oh, yeah. you know they 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 they're looking out for temperament as well as as, as so on um yeah. now now we mentioned very briefly some of these fancy ai tools now whether or not ai exists or it's ml or it's just heuristics or whatever it is it, it seems to be smarter um <laughs> any any thoughts on on such tools uh, for for the investigator yeah i'm i've been looking at it uh, i think any of this sort of stuff when it comes in new into the market people are grasp it and say it can do all these things it's interesting I have used it a couple of times for um, jurisdictional risk. So because it's pulling multiple sources, it's quite helpful to go there and ask the question. But I wouldn't use it without validation. Um, and I certainly wouldn't use it to search for an individual because of the, you know, anything you put into these sorts of systems is going to probably be kept by the system itself. Uh, and it's no doubt keeping your IP address and other information as well. And I know there are some concerns about privacy in relation to the AI. I'm not going to name the AI, but the most popular one at the moment. So um, I have looked at it. I have used it, but only in certain circumstances. Um, I think it's one of these, for me, I'm just going to sit back and watch where it goes. Ultimately, it's going to become a paid platform. Anything that's popular like this, when it gets a sort of following, at some point we're going to have to pay. Um, so I'm sort of watching with interest. Uh, I think, you know, we said it, there is a skill with it about asking the right sort of questions and framing the right question to get the response you need. Um, but, you know, 
it could very I, I know there are some concerns about the political leanings as well that it will, but where's it getting that from yeah and yeah, and, it, and there's that wonderful urban myth um uh, which the 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 journalist claims it's real so let's just give them the benefit of the doubt where the journalist said well tell me about myself and they made stuff up and then defended yeah. the made up answer yeah yeah and it, it's human beings that program robots isn't it and and, um, and there is an element of learning going on as well but uh, yeah i would say proceed with caution might be the sort of best term i know i like it um so what do you think we should sort of say uh, if 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 we give advice to the executive protection operator maybe, maybe a team leader they they're probably thinking about how to structure their team they might put an analyst on their team in the future that those those are bigger questions but if i'm an operator and and i'm i'm just me what what can i do what what, what where's my entry point I think just being able to use search engines uh, more effectively is a key skill. You know, just knowing that you can do such that I can get a feel for somebody or something, generally speaking, about 30 minutes, um, just by using certain sources. So I, I, I never recommend the checklist approach because that can make you blind to certain things. Uh, I've done this, I've done that, I've done that. And I think you've got to be agile enough to move in certain, I don't always follow the same path. So, you know, what's going to take me there? What am I seeing? Um, knowing when I'm going to need more time. Um, but I think there's a bit about, and all this is about knowing your own strengths, that I was very well looked after when I was in um, Iraq as a police advisor by some great guys on prote the protection team. I would never sort of, uh, whilst I know how to use firearms, and I know all, I was trained as a soldier, I would never put myself in those shoes because they're far better than I am. And I think there are times when you've got to say, well, I need to speak to a specialist. So, But it's knowing when to do that. So I think we can all educate ourselves to a point to use the car better, to coin that phrase. But if you want a racing driver, then, you know, go to go speak with a specialist. Okay, great sentiment. I like it. Um, so, so how can people get in touch with you where 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 will we next see you are you are you writing anything uh, that people should have a look at um i've got a book that's available on my website um the website is intellect-group.com there's a book that's called the a to z of desktop due diligence so that's like a exactly as it says on the tin there's this you know a means something b etc and there's a list of resources in there um, and there's two options you can buy just as is now, or you can buy with updates. And what I do is occasionally I put a video in or I put some other bits and pieces in. So it's like a, a one-off fee, £50 that you pay. Um, I am, funny enough, I had a conversation this morning about writing a business book, and it's something I really should do. The thing about um, the internet is that the minute I print that book, it'll be out of date. Because always, but I, I suppose if I talk about the principles behind it in terms of investigations, that would probably work. So it's something I need to apply myself to. But uh, there's there's all about the training on on the website. I offer all sorts of options, one to one like this, public courses, in house courses, uh, mentoring. We've got an e learning site where there's certain things on there you can do. What there's a module there for free. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd like to help people in this. In, you know, in this field anyway. So, and I'm always up for a chat. Um, so you can contact me through the website. Uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You and I connected. Um, so, and, you know, if I can't help, I will say so. I'm not, I don't, if there's certain things I can't do, I will I will either know somebody or find somebody. But that, that doesn't happen that often. Without, I'm not being arrogant there. It's just that I know my sort of strengths, which is online investigations. Perfect, and I'll I'll add those uh, links in the show notes to your site, so it's so it's easy to to see, uh, as as well as of course your your profile, so that people can uh, connect with you. But but yeah, this is fantastic, and I and I think it really has developed the OSINT question because we have got annals in the Circuit Magazine and Circuit Magazine podcast talking about did you know OSINT is a thing? That's yeah. fine, but I think yeah. this takes it to the next level where we say all right, but what's intelligence what is open source 
And then actually, is it all about finding out about your principle, mm. uh, which, I, which I think is, is a good uh, progression? Yeah. So, Colin, thank you very much. This has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. Well, thank you very much, Colin. And uh, great to have someone not just list the skills, not just give us a, a, a taster of what one could learn on a potential course, but actually to, to hone it in on the principle. What, what struck me was, you know, can your principle pay you? <laughs> right, right. You know, there's there's all sorts of funny funny things. But 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 Elijah, how, 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 how have you enjoyed this? No, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, you know. Again, the, the beautiful thing about the Circuit Podcast is that we bring these subject matter experts. We bring them from uh, diverse skill sets and, you know, diverse parts of the world. And, and they all bring, you know, what a buddy of mine, Mark James, calls the special sauce. So a, unu a, unu a unique way of approaching a topic and breaking it down and showing you their perspective and allowing you to make a choice, but also just say saying like, you know, hey, have you thought of it this way? And that's something I think that Colin gave us uh, in this episode. Yeah. And yeah, maybe we can't all do it ourselves. And there are benefits of going to a third party because we're not going to need Benin threat intelligence all year round, are we? Absolutely. I mean, you think about it. Some of these systems cost, you know, hundreds or in some case, thousands of dollars in terms of the subscription piece. And if you if you think about the amount of money and the amount of time that you might use it as an individual protector, it might not make sense financially. But if you can, um, if you can hire a service, if you can hire an individual that already has access to these systems, and you pay them their fee, that makes complete logical sense. And, I, and I'm sure if you're strategic in a way that you handle it, you can uh, uh, get uh, get get those that billing back. You can bill that back to the client in some way, shape, or form. No, that is a good point. Yeah, because it's not all on you, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, advanced work is, of course, billable hours. That's right. Um, so. So, so building on that, and of course, for those people who attended the Bodyguards for Kids initiative um, with Chris and Danita Groh, the Circuit Magazine were a, a media partner. Mm -hmm. um, Colin was very much building on that presentation, going a bit deeper, uh, which 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 I very much appreciate. Uh, by the way, uh, you might have seen we raised over twenty two thousand dollars for St Jude's uh, Hospital. Um, Bravo. Which is which is very very good. It's it's more than the uh, you know recent raising for the protectors fund. Uh, I I will I will leave that with you in <laughs> terms of food for thought, our audience. But 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 the protector audience definitely care a lot about um, the, the the poor children uh, who who are served by that. Sure. So um, what other initiatives have we got coming up? I know you've just uh, finished a course. How was that? Sure, bro. It was amazing. Um, I did my ten day course, which is a a combination of the celebrity protection course that I do and then an advanced course I do for returning students. Uh, we had some great uh, men and women from all over the world, including the UK. So you got got some people from your end, came down to attend uh, mm -hmm. from, uh, where else? Uh, oh, from South Africa, uh, they came in. And, and then some, so we had some international students and of course some Yanks. Um, but I had a great time. It was a great experience, had some Great world-class instructor, Joe, Joe Atura, uh joined us. Uh, Eric Parker, of course, uh, uh, my partner, Mark Six James. So we had some great instructors in. So it was, it was a wonderful time. And then I made the crazy decision. I scheduled this course uh, just right at the at the beginning of it. The, the course ends right at the beginning of this major operation I did. So I, uh, uh, I helped produce this, uh, well, helped from the security standpoint, I helped produce this festival for a client of mine. And it was a a, a massive undertaking. Uh, we had 100,000 people over two days. And of course, all of the security and logistical wow. concerns on that. Uh, now, I, I worked with some great partners on this, but it, it was a lot. So that wrapped up uh, just this weekend. And and I really need to be soaking in a bathtub uh, as I record this episode. How can I be sure you're not doing it now? You you very much deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if if you hear some water splashing, that's just the sink, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think you definitely deserve it. And there's definitely going to be a lot of listeners who are in some way connected to that because that, that's a big event. Um, or maybe they want to be associated with an event of that magnitude. So 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 great. Uh, mm -hmm. Thanks. Well, again, the, the beautiful 
I'm sorry. The beautiful thing about that, and and it was it was it played a little bit into my thinking, was that you know some of the people that were going to attend the course, if there was a way I can give them some exposure and they could see some like a peek behind the scenes operationally on something how something like that happened, and I was able to do that. So so that was um, you know maybe that was my way of giving back to the community. Of course, I put them to work and and I and I, and I paid them a fair wage for that. But I, I created an opportunity. Um, I had some need for some some talent, and so you know wh why not? So it, it worked out well in that in that case. Well, it sounds awesome, and I and I love the pictures on Instagram. So and in the protector app, and it, and in the protector. Yes, thanks for sharing uh, those those with us. And actually, just just apropos, you know, protector app, uh, you know, BBA Connect app. Uh, e even today, there's been an example of how that app has been useful for our community. Somebody asked me for someone in some place. What did I do? I went on the app. I said, who's in that place? And the answer mm -hmm. came back and then boom, they're talking. That's amazing. And yeah. that, that that's what we strive for. Yeah. It's uh and, and 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 it's and it's great because even I, I'm 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 supposed to be behind the scenes, but even I can make a, a difference <laughs> by just harnessing the app, which is, which I think is testament. So if I can do it, you can too. But apart from that, what 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 have we got coming up? Let me think. Um, on the twenty sixth, twenty seventh of April, I will be in Birmingham at a security event. I'm doing something on convergence. I'm doing something on uh, resellers, mm -hmm. distributors. Um, on the eleventh of May, I will be in Alexandria for a convergence event with loads of people, including Joe Otero. You mentioned already. Uh, he'll be there very kindly, mm -hmm. uh, helping us with a panel. Chuck Randolph, Brandon Shepherd. And and hopefully I hopefully I can get there if I can get the schedule clear. Yeah, but 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 I have to be careful for the audience because I don't want to rock up and say where's Elijah, you know, and then and then. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Can we? Uh, can we? Can, I felt. Can we add the disclaimer at the end of this? Like you know, you know how uh, at least in the U.S. Uh, you know with uh, like these um, uh, with these medical prescriptions at the end of that they have this legal disclaimer that just says you know this may not work and it, you know you may die from this so my point is is that when we say if I'm coming to one of these uh, one of your events here we just put a you know if the client allows them to get away for 20 minutes yeah yeah let's put let's put a disclaimer on that um, it's it's a bit like the cure for something uh, side effects might mean does not cure and might actually kill you <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so yeah all right well, well well let's not promise too much but but that should be fantastic um i'd love to see uh, everyone alexandria virginia um but apart from that we got we got the latest edition uh, of the magazine and we've got some great podcast guests lined up um of course we're always looking for more but 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 just a sneak behind the the, the screen we actually do have a very nice cast for this uh, season three that we're already in so from Elijah and myself, this is fantastic. Looking at due diligence for your principal and your prospective principal uh, with Colin Tansley. This has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.